0: The following episode of the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, includes advertising provided by our network GCN. If you'd like to subscribe to an ad-free version of the program, plus the exclusive After the Paracast podcast, please visit www.theparacast.plus. That's P-L-U-S. Once again, that's www.theparacast.plus. The Paracast, Paracast dot dot plus. Plus. Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: And now, here's Gene Steinberg. Our special guest this week is an expert on Greek mythology, the gods, and all that stuff. And I think it's going to be a really fascinating session with Hercules Invictus. And, of course, our guest co-host... No longer a guest, but a real co-host is Tim Swartz. Hercules. Greetings. I'm honored to be here. All right. I never thought I'd talk to Hercules before. I never even met Steve Reeves.
2: No, I, I'm, I'm very surprised. And I never thought to be speaking with you. You're a real-life superhero, according to your biography. I look forward to hearing of your exploits.
1: Well, if that's my secret identity, I can't reveal that to the uh,
3: public.
1: I, my apologies. I get the impression, listening to what you're doing here, is that you cover ancient astronauts and what can be found in Greek mythology about their presence. Is that correct?
2: Uh, It's partially correct. Uh, Ancient astronauts is one way of looking at uh, the Olympian entities, and uh, it's been a very fruitful and productive way of uh, doing so. But there are other ways as well. You can approach them through transpersonal neo-Jungian psychology as archetypes. I read an account uh, that looked at them as vampires, and that was very interesting. So uh, the ancient astronauts are one approach, one that I enjoy to uh, understanding the Olympians.
1: Okay, Jungian Archetypes. Now, we have talked on the Paracast from time to time about UFOs being manifestations of the collective unconscious, which is what Carl Jung did, wrote about in the 1950s. So, you're saying the Greek gods are also the collective unconscious? Uh, You can look at them that way. I think they're a bit more complicated than
2: any of the theories that we have about them. They seem to be internal and external in in terms of our experience and our interactions. And the archetypes is certainly one way of looking uh, at them. They represent aspects of uh, humanity and human endeavor. They play themselves out through the stories that we live, both the individual uh, simple stories that make up our lives, then the bigger stories that make up our culture. The myths are timeless tales that uh, we still haven't worked our way through uh, as they still resonate throughout our popular culture and our scholarly explorations, as well as our more metaphysical and speculative explorations as well. So the Greek pantheon and their mythology is still with us because it's is still very much alive.:
1: I was wondering here with this: who created these myths? Is it just something passed from one person to another in verbally or through some sort of writing?
2: The answer to that is lost in the mists of time, and I don't think there's any one answer. There's a lot of speculation about uh, how the myth started. A lot of people seem to believe that uh, the uh, ancients were primitives, and uh, they made up the myths to explain why there was thunder and lightning, why there was daylight and uh, nighttime, uh, and so forth. But the Olympians seem to be uh, entities of some sort. They seem to be intelligences. They're very interactive, even to this day. In terms of uh, how Jung uh, looked at things, and Joseph Campbell to to some degree, there are stories. And these stories are what we call mythology, and they describe incidents uh, from uh, our lives. So, for instance, if you look at the myths about Zeus, you can see a lot of the behaviors and and actions of uh, even modern-day politicians reflected in the myths told about uh, Zeus and his family. Aries, you can look at uh, the art of war and all the warlike things happening in our world uh, as they reflect in the mythology of, of Aries. So these are the stories we're living, so they're alive. I, I think that part of my quest, anyway, is to become conscious of the stories that we're living, uh, so that you're no longer living the stories, but you're able to add variations uh, to these timeless tales. And I think the gods get stuck in stories, and were their way of unsticking <laughs> themselves to these uh, timeless accounts.
1: If they were entities, mm-hmm. were they primarily present way back when, or are they still around?
2: they're still around people interact with them all the time many of the guests on my show especially lately i've been focusing on that claim interactions with various olympians And if it was just their belief that they did so, that would be uh, fine and interesting. But I've been getting synchronicities uh, and uh, messages coming from different uh, people who have nothing to do with each other and don't even know each other. Some of them can't even listen to the show, but I'm getting the same type of messages uh, uh, from specific Olympians from them. So I believe that they're still alive. I believe that they're still here today. I don't believe that they went anywhere, uh, that they never left. There's no revival. It's just they're still here.
1: Any particular Olympian gods who communicate more or what?
2: They all seem to communicate equally. Uh, The gods are involved in various endeavors. For instance, uh, heroic endeavors would be Hercules or Athena. You know, people who work in uh, social work, people who work in uh, public service, uh, people who work as uh, firemen, policemen. People who are in the business of helping other people in difficult times or through difficult uh, times. So they're active in that uh, sphere. Uh, Zeus is active in uh, leadership, in uh, politics, in vision, you know, having a vision uh, that shapes an entire uh, culture. Hera is concerned with marriage and uh, social status and uh, position and so forth. So their ancient domains are, are pretty much what they're still doing uh, today folks uh, interact with them uh, in a variety of ways some people through meditation some people through dreams uh, some people through prayer and astral projection uh, some people through synchronicities uh, they seem pretty willing to communicate to anybody willing to communicate with them
1: how do these compare or contrast with other perceptions of god in our society
2: there's this uh, thing that people say, it's like, oh, God is not a uh, old man with a white beard and white hair sitting on a throne. And to them, maybe not. But to, if you follow Olympus, that's pretty much uh, Zeus, you know, you know white haired uh, and white bearded gentleman sitting on a throne and uh, looking at things uh, from that uh, perspective. The Greek uh, Pantheon, regardless of which way you uh, choose to address them or interact with them, uh, they're personages, they're, they're people on their level. You know, so there's a sense of individuality, a sense of identity. Uh, there's kind of like a, uh, um, a collection of people uh, who, between them, uh, cover a wide range of human endeavors. Uh, So you could say they're almost like a governing body uh, spiritually on some uh, level. Uh, So we have so many different uh, understandings of what the divine is that uh, I guess uh, uh, it really depends on what each person considers the divine. Some people have no problem with uh, there being many personal uh, uh, gods, and other people believe that that's uh, anathema or blasphemy uh, to uh, uh, suggest that there are intelligent powers guiding revolution that are not one being.
1: Does the God or gods you interact with depend on what you expect or believe?
2: I believe that they can adjust themselves to what you believe and communicate with you through whatever belief system you happen to have. Um, I spent many years exploring other cultures, and it was like playing hide and seek. Eventually, you know, you'd... Uh, Uh, contact something uh, divine uh, only to find that it's the same divine forces you've been dealing with a long beyond behind another cultural mask so uh you know i personally believe that the cultural masks are true on one level uh, if you look at them culturally or um, exoterically and if you look at them esoterically uh, they're not as uh, tribal they're more universal than that
1: so there may be one force behind all of it, but it depends on the individual to decide which one they represent, or maybe they tailor their message to a particular individual. This is going to be a real fascinating show, folks. Thank you. Hercules Invictus is the name of our guest. We're looking at Greek mythology, UFOs. It's got to get into ancient astronauts and Jungian philosophy and lots more Co-host is Tim Swartz. You're in The Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After The Paracast. After The Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to The Paracast+. Plus. Once again, the Paracast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out the Paracast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus.
4: Hey,
5: trader, listen up. The markets have changed. Have you changed your trading strategies? Vantage Point can help you conquer volatility. Learn to trade with artificial intelligence. Text the word money to 813-813 and discover how to predict stock market trends one to three days in advance with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. No matter which way the market moves, Vantage Point's patented AI can give you a massive edge. Text money to 813-813 to get what you need to stay ahead of market markets, and find your best entries and exits. Text the word money to 813-813.
6: Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. By texting, you agree to the terms available at vantagepointsoftware.com slash terms and consent to receive calls and texts using automated technology about offers or info by or on behalf of vantage point. Your consent is not a condition to purchase and can be revoked at any time. Message and data rates may apply.
5: Text money to 813-813.
6: When I was a kid, I wanted to be just like Cal Ripken. It's definitely humbling to know that now people are calling me a hero. Instead of finding the IED with my metal detector, the IED found me first, and that resulted in double above knee amputations. It's hard to describe the feeling of meeting somebody that you've always wanted to be like. There are people now that are looking up to you for their inspiration and to be their role model.
7: Visit SaluteHeroes.org to learn more.
4: Do you experience fatigue when you know you should have energy? One reason fatigue can occur is due to a lack of antioxidants in the body. This deficiency happens the older we get, or due to eating an unhealthy diet, or even due to exercise. Your body's number one antioxidant is glutathione. When your cells are depleted of glutathione, you will be fatigued, inflamed, possibly depressed, and may also feel pain. Empirical results indicate that consuming green metal whey protein powder is the most effective means of increasing glutathione production. Green metal whey supplies nature's richest source of the precursor to making glutathione within the trillions of cells of your body. This protein strongly supports the cell's ability to make glutathione. Add to this, the Green Metal Whey also supports immunity, energy, lean muscle development, fat loss, and has anti-cancer properties, and you have nature's most complete and strongest superfood. To order, go to bestwayprotein.net. That's bestwayprotein.net, Or call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325.
1: Sounds good. Nice and biblical. Thus, we continue with Hercules Invictus exploring the legends of Greek gods interactions with UFOs. Let's talk about UFO connection here. Is there something way back when where we can find evidence of possible UFO presence?
2: Oh, of course there is. There, There's a lot in Greek mythology. There are robots, uh, first of all. There was Talos who controlled the island of Crete. I believe it was once every three days he made his rounds, although I might be mistaken. It's been a while since I studied those uh, particular stories. Hephaestus on his forge on Lemnos. He had mechanical women helping him in his uh, duties of uh, creating uh, weapons and items of artistic uh, merit uh, for the Olympians. So they had the concept of AI and robotics. In the Homeric Hymn to Ares, I believe it is, they describe Ares as driving his chariot through the sky. So that conception, uh, contrary to what most people think, is not something that was made up recently. Uh, The gods are often depicted as uh, flying through the sky, not only in uh, chariots, but in uh, vehicles. There are certain uh, paintings that are Greek and from the Christian era that uh, very clearly depict people buzzing around in the sky in vehicles. So, where can people see these depictions
9: now? Are they are they in uh, museums or books don't exist? You know, books from then you know aren't around anymore. How do we know about these depictions?
2: They're on the Internet. Uh, If you type in ancient uh, saucers, uh, they'll pop up. They're in in icons uh, that are in churches or maybe now in museums. But from the Byzantine era, in the early days of uh, Christianity, uh, these were uh, paintings that show very clearly in the sky uh, UFOs. Well, we've seen how
9: the modern-day
2: interpretation
9: of strange things in the sky turn out. I mean, we, we tend to look at a more physical extraterrestrials from other planets. Mm-hmm. But when you go back to the ancient times and, you know, ancient uh, Greece, when they would see, you know, the same things, I mean, UFOs have been around as long as we have, was their interpretations always, you know, tend to oh, you know, it's the gods, look, you know, there goes Zeus, that sort of thing. Or like today... Were there different interpretations that got bandied about?
2: Well, there are always different uh, interpretations, Uh, like, for instance, uh, at uh, Fatima. uh, Some people, what they reported was very similar to what a UFO experience would uh, describe, and others, it was couched in religious terms, and still others saw absolutely nothing. Uh, something happened and for many people, the sun uh, seemed to dance around and there were other um, images that uh, filled people's consciousness that were shared. But what actually happened there, I don't know personally. I don't know if anybody really knows. It's the same with a lot of these uh, accounts. And also there are spurious accounts. Like I remember uh, reading in the uh, ancient astronaut uh, literature that Alexander encountered UFOs entire. I didn't quite believe it when I read it because uh, I'd never heard that. And that was something that would have caught my attention when I was in Greek school and were studying all of these things. Jacques Vallée finally tracked it down. And that was a modern uh, invention. But a lot of the uh, accounts uh, that aren't made up recently uh, are actually genuine.
1: You classify them as genuine in what respect?
2: Genuine in terms of they were part of the experience of uh, people, and they were interpreted a certain way, and they had an impact on culture in a certain way. I have something called uh, – well, it's called different things. It was called the Regional Folklore Society in Pennsylvania. It was called the Center for the Study of Living uh, Myth when I first came back to New Jersey, and uh, they're rebranding it now. I'm starting my library talks uh, again. Uh, So I don't know quite yet what that will behold ultimately eventually, but it was a study of the stories people tell. And it was never our goal to prove or disprove the stories, although we did investigate the stories and we formed opinions over whether this was something uh, that had reality behind it or not. But we were very much interested in how the stories affected individuals, the families, the community, and sometimes the greater culture. Because as we're discovering uh, on the world stage now through various things that are going on, there, there are things that people believe that might not be true, and yet these things have a profound effect, uh, again, on the lives of the individuals uh, um, and uh, groups of lo- larger or smaller sizes.
1: In this country particularly, people live in two different realities and swear that what they believe is true, even if you can show chapter and verse it's false. It's pretty screwy. Oh, yeah. I don't want to get into the politics of that because no, we have some won't. people, when we get into politics, they have freak out sessions. And we don't mind if a listener freaks out, but we have to keep it under control. Hercules, can you tell us your background? What got you started in this? Is it something you looked at as a kid or what?
2: Well, I'm Greek. So I went to Greek school and went to Greece. So that was the foundation of it. In Greek school, we spent years learning about uh, mythology, the philosophers, uh, the uh, ancient beliefs, the modern beliefs, uh um, the history, the languages, uh, the philosophies, uh, you name it, we learned it in eight years. Because uh, half the day was divided into Greek studies and the other half the day was divided into what uh, most uh, American uh, children would get in uh, their schools. So I was provided with a very thorough grounding in all this. The newer religion didn't really resound with me um, as powerfully as the old stories did. So um, I grew up in a household where, you know, and in Greek households, there are tons of statues of the old gods. You know, we never quite let go of the, uh, the old gods. So any Greek house you go to, they're going to have statues of gods in their yard or in their house. Or like in my house, every uh, spare inch that's a flat surface has uh, gods and things uh, on it. It's part of the culture. And uh, my parents would always say that um, I'm going to Olympus after death, uh, but I could visit them because it would be too cruel of God not to let family visit each other in whatever afterlife they uh, wound up in. I rebelled against my uh, heritage, as most uh, people do in, in, as a teenager and as a young adult. Uh, so I wandered around through different uh, um, belief systems, tried them on for size, and the areas that resounded with me the most uh, turned out to be the areas that were most like the ones I started out with. So after a couple of decades of doing that, I came full circle and just uh, stuck with what I knew and what resonated the most, and uh, I've been there ever since, uh, very happy with it um but uh it's been a very big part of my life um if you could summarize what my life is all about in two words it would be living mythology Uh, i try to live mythology to the best of my ability and i my main focus is on living mythology both ancient and uh, modern Uh, with the ufo phenomenon regardless of its uh, reality also it's a modern mythology uh, you have all these stories, and the stories are lived by various uh, people, and the stories evolve uh, over time. And you have uh, a cast of characters uh, or types of characters. Uh, you have the
1: Greys, you have the Nordics, you have the reptilians. And we have to break right now. We've got Hercules okay. and Tim and Jean You're in the pericast. <laughs>
7: Look for the free report, Crisis Cooling, how to make absolutely sure your meat, milk, and medicines stay safe and cool in any power outage. Yours free at MySolarBackup.com.
11: USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. The Biden
12: administration wants Congress to approve an arms deal that is worth more than $1 billion to Taiwan. It's due to increased tensions with China over the island nation's status. The State Department has signed off on three separate proposed deals on Friday. If approved by Congress, the deals will send contractor logistics support for Taiwan's surveillance radar program, plus missiles along with related equipment. A spokesperson for the State Department says the U.S. being able to provide defense weapons to Taiwan quickly is essential to the island's security. The Russian controlled Zaporizhia nuclear power plant in Ukraine has been disconnected to its last external power line. But the head of a UN nuclear watchdog says that the plant was still able to run electricity through a reserve line amid sustained shelling in the area. This is USA Radio News. For the second time in a week, NASA has scrubbed the launch of its crew capsule into lunar orbit. A fuel leak is the cause of Saturday's launch being canceled. Earlier in the week, escaping hydrogen was to blame. No word on when NASA might try again. Bill Nelson, the agency's administrator, says they'll
13: go when it's ready. We don't uh, go until then, and especially now, on a test flight, because we're going to stress this and test it. Uh, and test that heat shield uh, and make sure it's right before we put four humans up on the top of it.
12: If extensive repairs are needed, the capsule could be in the hangar until October. Corey Wayne Patterson took off into charges of grand larceny and making terroristic threats for stealing an airplane and circling the skies of northern Mississippi Saturday morning. He could face federal charges on top of that. At one point, Patterson threatened to crash into a Walmart in Tupelo. You are listening to USA Radio News.
11: When it comes to vaping, the truth can get clouded. So let's make it clear. Vaping is not safe for kids, teens, or young adults. It's just not.
14: Because vaping can put microscopic
11: particles into your lungs. And dangerous things like metals and volatile organic compounds into your body.
14: And nicotine. The same highly addictive substance found in regular cigarettes.
15: Nicotine can harm a person's brain development through their mid-20s.
14: Affecting learning,
16: memory, attention, and impulse control. And priming the brain for other addictions. Vaping products also come in kid-friendly flavors that can make them appealing to youth.
6: And many kids also use other drugs, like marijuana, in vaping devices.
10: With
5: appealing flavors, high nicotine levels, and lots of promotion on social media.
6: Many kids think vaping is
11: harmless, but it's not.
5: So talk to your kids about the risks of vaping, because when you talk, they hear you.
11: Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of A.D. After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: We sure do have a cast of characters in the UFO field, and not just the creatures allegedly seen, but the people. Yes. We have some really interesting people. Um, let me ask you a quick question before we go on, and you don't have to answer. Do you have a day job?
2: I do lots of things now. I write. I teach. Uh, I teach everything from uh, kids in enrichment uh, programs uh, to uh, people who are retired uh, and in senior uh, center type of uh, situations, so I've I've taught most of my career. I've also uh, been very active for over four decades in the human services.
1: Human services being what?
2: I worked in psychiatric rehabilitation i used to design uh pre-vocational programs uh, for people who uh, uh, either had a background in mental illness or substance abuse and i used to get them ready to uh, work or return to work or uh, return to school or whatever they really wanted to do uh, with their lives uh, for most of my career
1: let's go back to the ufos okay now if ufos were present in ancient times can we think that maybe the original gods that influenced all these myths were entities from other planets?
2: That's a possibility, and you know, I wouldn't discount it. The ancients had a very different uh, idea of what planets were and uh, where they were in the sky and, and so forth. So uh, they had entire belief systems based on what they thought. So in terms of the more ancient belief systems, it made a lot of sense. And that's why the gods are associated with uh, the planets. And that's why in every book on magic, you'll find their correspondence tables to show you who the different gods are in relation to each other and to the planets. And we have it in our days of the week. The days of the week uh, give you the occult information you need to decipher a lot of occult uh, mysteries. You have Sunday, which is sacred to the sun, Monday, which is sacred to the moon, Tuesday, that is sacred to two or tier. And in Greek, that would be Mars. Wednesday is Woden's Day or Odin's Day. uh, And that corresponds with uh, Mercury or Hermes in the ancient times. Thursday is Thor's Day. And that uh, corresponds with uh, Jupiter or Zeus. Friday is either Freya's Day or Frigga's Day, depending on who you talk to. Uh, and that would be Venus or uh, Aphrodite. And Saturday is Saturn's Day. So these are the classical planets of uh, antiquity. And in the Romance languages, especially, uh, you don't need to go like one or two steps removed to, to figure out which uh, mythical figures you're talking about in addition to giving you the planetary correspondences that you use to unlock mysteries uh, it also told you cross-culturally who you're dealing with beyond the cultural guises of the god in a particular pantheon
1: what do you think of the pop culture in which comic book characters emulate supposed gods of the ancient world
2: I think it's great. It's another way of looking at uh, the ancient myths, and it's a lot of fun. I love uh, comic books and comic book uh, movies. I tend to like the ones that are mythological, uh, that aren't as popular as some of the other ones. Like, I love the Eternals, I love Thor, Love and Thunder, because, again, they're modern living mythology. And these figures that many consider to be dead gods are alive and well and uh, interacting uh uh, on the big screen uh, the last thor movie brought hercules and zeus into the equation uh, i didn't particularly care for how they portrayed zeus but uh, it was very creative
1: and it was it was a lot of fun to watch what did you think of the tv show stargate sg1 where they take <laughs> gods from every culture yes. they mash them together and they become the villains Well,
2: again, I didn't appreciate that they were the villains, but I loved the Stargate uh, franchise. It was, was, again, it it was the old stories. They were doing something new with them and looking at the gods as parasitic uh, snake beings, you know. So, again, I don't view the gods that way. In my experience, they're not. Uh, But it was an interesting way of uh, looking at it, and uh, I certainly had fun with uh, the show. One of the things they did, which uh, also happens uh, spiritually, is in some of the theosophies of modern time, like the theosophy of Blavatsky and afterwards, you have all these gods working together in different heavens and in different capacities. So you could have like uh, uh, the Theban Hercules or Zeus sitting down with Quan Yin and Buddha uh, over tea uh, discussing how to help humanity through their current uh, crisis. So uh, that actually did happen, and a large portion of people in America who follow the I Am movement, for instance, uh, you know they don't see uh, the cultural divisions as uh, being uh, exclusive anymore. Uh, the gods have become inclusive not only in popular culture, but also in popular belief for many people.
1: Oh, and by the way, if you're a fan of Stargate SG-1, months after MGM, the studio that carried that show, was bought out by Amazon, it's now back on Amazon Prime in the U.S., So they have Stargate SG-1, Stargate Atlantis, Stargate Universe. They don't have the two standalone movies yet. And there are lots of places where you can see the original movie with James Spader and Kurt Russell, which was produced by Dean Devlin and Roland Emmerich, who also brought you Independence Day. But I have a lot of fun with that show. I mean, I really do. Some of the stories are just really stupid. They keep revisiting a primitive yeah. culture that has some kind of weird thing going on, and it could be repetition. The thing was on for 10 years, though. Yes. Stargate mm-hmm. SG 1. How many TV series last for 10 years?
2: Not many. I have them all on DVD, including the, the cartoon series. Remember that one, Stargate Infinity?
1: No, I do not.
2: Yeah, there was an, a, a season or two. I don't remember exactly how many, but uh, it was uh, in a future time. And the, the storyline varied from what it eventually uh, became with the gold and the ancients and, and so forth. Uh, so th- th- there's like an earlier conception of it.
1: Forgive me if I say this. I'm not a big fan of cartoons. I oh. gave up with Bugs Bunny, <laughs> Sylvester the Cat, Elmer Fudd, those things when I was really young. But when they brought in cartoon versions of real characters or realistic characters, I prefer the realistic characters. Just me.
2: Understood. I believe very strongly, and and again, I believe that the Olympians are real and active today, but I believe uh, very strongly uh, what uh, some of the ancients also believed in that uh, there were lost civilizations. Like when Plato talked about uh, Atlantis and he introduced uh, that whole concept to Western society. He talked back then of uh, how the Greeks uh, knew nothing of ancient things and how the Egyptians hold records. And Herodotus uh, told us pretty much uh, the same thing uh, of times that were you know, much earlier. There seems to be ample proof of uh, technology that shouldn't be there. Like uh, Tim had talked about uh, very recently about items that are found in solid rock or footprints that are found uh, that are humanoid near dinosaurs. You know, there, there are a lot of things that can't be explained except by the fact that their civilization and humanity may be much older than uh, we think. And um, I'm forgetting his name now, Ignatius Donnelly. He speculated like uh, um, uh, like uh, ephemeris. Uh, I believe it's pronounced in English, I did. Uh, Ephemeris was uh, uh, someone who was around during the time of Alexander. And he saw Alexander become a god in his lifetime. So he started looking at the ancient myths and uh, wondering if maybe all the mythical figures uh, were initially humans uh, that kind of uh, transcended humanity while they were alive and were immortalized in uh, myth. And Ignatius uh, Donnelly uh, took the same approach. And he was a politician in Washington. And and just like Plato brought it to the ancient world, Ignatius Donnelly rekindled the whole Atlantis uh, um, adventure uh, into our modern uh, consciousness. He wrote a few books. And uh, there, too, um, his idea was that the Olympians were the original Atlantean gods.
1: You know, we can go into more of this in detail in our next segment. Hercules and Victus. The past, the present, the future. With Gene and Tim, you're in
9: The Paracast.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
1: Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. cheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee.
17: That's 818-984-6100. Shop supertea.com.
18: Have you heard the warning from the dead doctors don't lie guy? I'm talking about Dr. Joel Wallach. He says if you have a four-inch medical chart, if you take prescription drugs for high cholesterol or high blood pressure, arthritis, joint pains, or other health issues, the medical profession is failing you. They're using you for an ATM machine. That's what he says. He has a free lecture revealing what pharmaceutical companies don't want you to know. There's been groundbreaking research and discoveries on how to effectively treat or eliminate over 900 different diseases naturally. And it's all in this free lecture called Deadly Recipe. You want it free? Call him toll free at 855-79-YOUNG. You ready? 855-79-YOUNG. Dr. Joel Wallach, the dead doctors don't lie guy says there's no reason why we shouldn't live to be at least 100 and have a great time getting there.
15: This is me, the Merciless. You are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio, exactly according to my plan.
1: So, Hercules, let's continue with this. Because of all the myths that we have to look into, all the stories, everything else. Now, that's a question, too. The legends of the Greek gods or gods from other cultures, is it that they were so advanced or had magical powers or they had technology that was so advanced you thought of them as being magic?
2: Well, they had the the antikythera device. For those who haven't heard of that, it's it's the first analog computer. And it existed during uh, the time that's called Hellenistic between Alexander and Cleopatra and a couple of the Caesars who were around uh, after Cleopatra. And uh, this device uh, calculated uh, the uh, Olympic game cycle. It uh, calculated uh, um, astrological and astronomical uh, data as well. Uh, And they found one that was uh, very intact, and they found, uh, I believe, four or five more that weren't as sophisticated as that one, but you had analog computers. There are accounts, uh, too, in antiquity of animatronics in Alexandria. Uh, So they had ways of making clockwork type of live cartoons, I guess. They were caricatures, they were art, but they would be able to tell stories uh, that that kind of like got wound up or powered and uh, people could see them move around. And you'd have something that wasn't uh, live action in terms of people acting on stage, but you'd have mechanical things unfolding like they did at the World's Fair uh, with it's a small world after all, or uh, I guess the presidents in the Disney house, where you have basically puppets that are mechanical moving around. They had that in antiquity as well. There are also accounts of uh, do you know how you go to when when you go to a supermarket or a store and you step on a a plastic mat and the door is open? Uh, We have descriptions of those from antiquity. We have descriptions of coin-dispensed beverage uh, machines, where you put coins in the machine and a hot or cold beverage would come out. Uh, So they had a lot of things in antiquity that were described. Alchimedes, I believe it was, uh, made like a device with mirrors that used to send uh, rays of heat and burn the sails of enemy ships. Uh, So those are all historical examples uh, rather than the mythical uh, robots and and other things that could be, I guess, uh, attributed to uh, technology. But there was actual technology as well. They had flush toilets in Crete thousands of years ago with uh, hot and cold running water as well. We tend to think of those as modern uh, inventions.
1: Well, well, somebody could read up this stuff and come up with something, get a patent on it. And then it's a modern invention. But I'm thinking here, if we had all this technology way back when, what happened to it? Was there some kind of worldwide cataclysm where civilization was just destroyed? What?
2: That's what the Egyptian priests uh, uh, supposedly told uh, Solon in the Atlantis uh, story, that uh, every now and then there's, there are cataclysms that destroy civilizations. Uh, the people that uh, survived them are usually people in isolated places who aren't the most educated, so they have stories that they And that these stories eventually become uh, myths and uh, legends. Um, I remember my childhood. I'm in my 60s now. I remember my childhood. uh, A lot of people used to scoff at uh, primitive people who believed that you could communicate with others through the use of quartz crystals and the quartz crystals had these magic powers to uh, show you things that happened far away or long ago or that never happened but they were uh, part of like a mythic uh, thing uh, and so forth the crystals led to the birth of the information age and mostly everything that's been described uh, in the crystal lore of yesteryear is actually true or was actually true they might have forgotten the technology that the crystals uh, powered. uh, But uh, certainly the fact that crystals could do this is is no longer scoffed at. It's it's something that's taken uh, for uh, granted. So, yes, uh, I, I believe there was technology. The Internet... That we have now sounds remarkably like uh, the Akashic Records or the Astral Records, as some people uh, call them. All the things that the Internet could do, the Akashic Records uh, did before, how you can tap into, again, information that wasn't uh, available um, you could look at things that happened long ago or things that happened far away or things that didn't happen. You couldn't always trust the spirits of the Akasha because they might be lying to you or there might be so many different minds visiting it that you don't know what the actual truth is. So the, the idea of that uh, existed in antiquity and survived in occultism, and now we have mechanical, technological aspects or – uh Uh, versions of that and we don't think it's a big deal anymore
1: when i think of the possibility that advanced technology existed and then it went away for some reason i'm wondering if anything came about that destroyed our civilization what would survive a couple of thousand years from now that's a
2: speculation i i don't know enough (laughs) <laughs> about uh, science to uh, venture I guess but there are a lot of uh, doomsayers uh, now uh, and some of them come from the scientific uh, community uh, warning us of uh, global collapse, uh, some of them in a handful of years, like I believe Elon Musk uh, predicted uh, 12 years, and other people are saying within our lifetimes or the lifetime of our children uh, that uh, we can see our entire civilization uh, collapse or our planet die. So uh, um, hopefully we'll take action so that uh, that doesn't happen. Uh, but the possibility of it happening Uh, now as well as in the past is is always great.
9: You know, there have been other civilizations that uh, also had their mythologies of another land, a homeland even for some of them, that, that sank beneath the waves or was destroyed by some kind of cataclysm and... The survivors, you know, fled to uh, to other lands. I think mm-hmm. it was the uh, the Aztec had a story of uh, um, the uh, land they called it. It was Atland. Uh, yeah, Atlant.
2: Yeah, yeah,
9: yeah. And uh, it was it was destroyed, they said, by uh, volcanoes. So it's interesting how I mean, you know, you have all these different civilizations all across the globe with very similar mythologies along those lines.
2: Yeah, I've always found that fascinating, and I've studied that uh, mostly when I was uh, younger, it is it's phenomenally uh fascinating and uh uh you wonder like how extensive these civilizations uh, became like uh right now let's go back to the marvel comic book movies they become a global thing if civilization collapses around the globe these stories will all become part of emerging mythologies and scholars if there are scholars uh, in our future who visit these isolated tribes and hear the giant green monster and uh the flying god with a hammer, or uh, the, the spider boy, you know, whatever way these things will survive in the stories is going to wonder how people in one part of the world uh, have the same stories as people from another part of the world. And it's true with mythology. There are figures and stories, like there are depictions of Hercules uh, fighting the hydra in, and choking the snakes in uh, Mohica pottery in South America. Uh, And so they knew the story of Hercules or at least certain incidents of it. How did they get it? We don't know. But there it is, you know, for anyone who knows the stories and has eyes uh, to see.
9: Gene had asked at an earlier uh, uh, part of the show about where this old technology May have disappeared to and and why it had disappeared uh, but it, it got me thinking Hercules that I mean there there was a lot of science and technological wonders in ancient Greece mm-hmm. that we know uh, uh, they had, but due to circumstances like the fall of Rome and then the uh, uh, the, the the Christian dark ages. All of that information just disappeared, and we probably ended up being what a, a thousand years behind because of that. Because if if science had progressed with the Greeks, without the interference from you know the Mongol hordes and then the uh, uh, Christian Dark Ages, how far along would our society be today?
2: Oh, much further. They knew of atoms back then. They knew a lot about, uh, um, astronomy. They, they had all sorts of information that, as you point out, was lost for hundreds of years. Uh, And we had to start over, and as information emerged again, mostly through contact with the um, Arabs, um, it was hunted down, or the people proposing it were hunted down, or burned, uh, the works were burned. Uh, So I I think we'd be a lot farther along uh, technologically and uh, in terms of uh, civilization. We still struggle with that dark uh, period, and there are still forces that are trying to drag us back uh, into that. Uh, There was a movie called Agora. I don't know if you've ever seen it, uh, but it was about uh,
1: Alexandria when it fell. Let's do our break here with Hercules and Gene and Tim. You're in
9: The Pentecost.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
1: the paracast.plus to learn more about paracast plus
11: Are you watching your retirement savings melt away right in front of your eyes as the economy crumbles? Well, if you have an IRA, 401k or similar account, I need to tell you about a better way that was revealed by a Wall Street Journal best-selling book. Simply put, you can opt out of the insanity and convert your existing retirement account into the most stable physical asset in history, physical gold and silver. Plus, this conversion might qualify you for an IRS loophole that could save you even more. Today, Advantage Gold is giving away a completely free audiobook version of the national bestseller. Gold is a better way. Just text the word better to 48542 to get your copy. That's B E T T E R to 48542. By the time you drive home, this simple step may save the future value of your retirement. It's not too late if you're not prepared. You can take action now and claim a free copy. Text the word better to 48542. That's B-E-T-T-E-R
6: to 48542. Message and data rates may apply. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Welcome
0: back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Jane Steinberg.
1: Hercules is here, and he's not Steve Reeves or Gordon Scott, or any of the actors who played Hercules. Let me ask you a question. How close are all these movies to the character as depicted originally?
2: Who, Hercules?
1: Yes, I mean, you, you look at the image, Steve Reeves, Gordon Scott, Reg Park, other people who played Hercules in the movies, Arnold Schwarzenegger. How close were those characters to the depiction of supposedly the real or the the mythological person.
2: Well, the ancients believe that, uh, depending on which ancient, uh, one person gave an estimate of five people, and uh, somebody in Rome gave uh, a, a, an estimate of forty-four different people whose exploits made up the legends of uh, Hercules. Uh, and there were the Herculeses of different times and places. Like there was uh, the Hercules of Tyre that Herodotus wrote of. There was the Hercules of Thebes, which is the popular one that uh, most people think of as Hercules. There was the idean Dactyl Hercules in Crete. There was uh, there was an engineer Hercules who drained swamps and did things like that so uh, there were a lot of different Herculeses uh, back in antiquity the myths though inspired the movies and the movies often referred to the myths as their plots unfolded they took liberties with them but again these stories weren't uh, an orthodox uh, collection of uh, Uh, there were many different versions of each story so the movies just did what the ancients did themselves they entertained themselves with these stories. I know George Helmer uh, who's uh, preserving Steve Reeves's uh, heritage and keeping it alive in the here and now and uh, several of the other folks uh, who are uh, into those uh, movies and keeping them alive. Uh, I have a Social media groups with over 30,000 people in them just interested in those movies. So there's a lot of people in the world that are into those movies and uh, to think about them and uh, talk about them and exchange images from them. So they too, they keep the myths alive in the here and now.
1: Kind of sad is the fact that when Steve Reeves did most of his films as Hercules and other characters, his voice was dubbed by someone else. Yes. There are very few out there where you hear him as he really is.
2: That was the custom back then. They, they, everyone would speak their own language pretty much when they were filming a movie, and then they just redub everything. When they were sending it to different uh, countries, they would re- redub it in whatever language. Christopher Lee, who's very versatile and, and fully capable of doing voices in the Reg Park movie, Hercules in the Underworld, they dubbed him too. So it wasn't just Steve Reeves.
1: So. Yeah, with, when Christopher Lee is, was just an incredible actor, yes. we forget how great he was, but he was also fun to listen to. He'd get mm-hmm. up there on a talk show and tell stories without interruption. Everything, pleasant delivery, with sense of humor. It was really tremendous. That's kind of sad. But in the spaghetti westerns that Clint Eastwood did, yes, the people speaking Italian had their voices dubbed, but his voice was his Mm -hmm. voice.
2: Yes, I I suspect that they evolved uh, this practice over time. And uh, if someone's voice was a strong part of uh, who they were, the personality, they, of course, want that in there. It's like with Arnold. They dubbed Arnold in Hercules Comes to New York, which was called Hercules Goes Bananas uh, initially.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa. Hercules Goes what?
2: Hercules in New York was called Hercules Goes Bananas originally. And Arnold Schwarzenegger, who they called Arnold Strong because uh, they didn't want you know, his uh, strong accent, so they dubbed him. Uh, but later on when Arnold became a thing and they re-released the movie, they had him down as Arnold Schwarzenegger with his original uh, Arnold voice in there. Because Arnold had become a big uh, sensation, so they changed the movie around to, to before it was dubbed and released it, and it met with greater success.
1: I always wonder about Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's a smart man, smart businessman. He could have, if he wanted to, he could have lost that accent. I believe that. He kept the accent because it was a commercial success.
2: Right. I believe that too.
9: I remember a Hercules cartoon from the 60s that he would uh, have to put on his, his power ring in order to gain his Olympian powers. But, I mean, he had that uh, very much uh, like
2: Superman look and vibe to him in that cartoon. It was the same studio that did Superman. And, yes, I remember that cartoon, too. I grew up with that cartoon, and that, that yep. influenced me as much as the old movies and the ancient myths did. <laughs>
9: uh, Hercules and then his centaur friend. Yes, Toot and Newton were his uh, satyr his and centaur friends. That's it. We're leaving Gene out of the conversation since he stopped. I oh, not like, like cartoons. I'm so cartoons. sorry, Gene. I apologize.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I was thinking here about Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> if he came into that movie and said, "I'll be back," who cares? But if he said, "I'll be back," Then suddenly it has an impact. Philosophical question to ponder in
13: meditation.
1: (laughs) Imagine, for example, Sean Connery, instead of saying, Bond, James Bond, said, Bond, James Bond. By the way, the uh, story about that is they had to get Sean Connery a little bit drunk before he got that speech correct. (laughs) Later
2: on, he he got the
1: gig, but the first one, Dr. No
2: oh i'm i 'm learning new things today that 's always that 's always fantastic
1: likewise
9: <laughs> uh, Hercules I wanted to uh, uh ask you and i mean we we 've talked about this in, in in previous conversations, but I mean when you were a kid, you spent a lot of time in Greece. And uh it fascinated me when you said that you know once you get out of the cities, you find that you know the the old ways, the old old religions are still very much around, and despite the fact that you know Christianity you know, took over you know what more than a thousand years ago uh but but there is still that underlying current flowing out of Mount Olympus. Hmm.
2: Yeah there 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 is. I haven't been to Greece in I guess 30 years now maybe and the Greece that I grew up in I don't think exists anymore in this age of internet. <laughs> and uh, but back when I was a kid and uh, we used to go to Greece every uh, summer um, there were still gypsies and covered wagons, you know, going around. And people used to dress uh, pretty much like they did in the Middle Ages, you know, with uh, the women were all wrapped up in black if they were widows, and you could just see their eyes. And uh, uh, men wore these, like, pantaloon-type things. Uh, it, it was a very different uh, place. And uh, there were a lot of customs that, you know, later on when I was older, and I researched them, are very ancient indeed. Like there was a satyr thing that I witnessed uh, as a kid, which I found out goes back to antiquity. Uh, it, it, they tell you the satyrs are out and not to go outside, or the satyrs will get you. It's actually young men in pants that are like made from goat pelts, but they will—they'll beat you up if if they find out. <laughs> with, with sticks, and then there was jumping over bonfires and uh, the evil eye. I remember I got really sick uh, when I went uh, to Greece one time when I was older and I went on my own. And uh, my grandmother sent me to a doctor. The doctor had me gargling with iodine, and he referred me to a wise uh, woman who anointed me with olive oil and chanted what sounded like arithmetic. (laughs) I felt better afterwards, by the way. And uh, she had little cloves that she put on charcoal briquettes, and every now and then she'd say something emphatically, and the clove would explode. Uh, she told me somebody put the evil eye on me. When I came back to America, they told me I had walking pneumonia. Uh, but in, in Greek culture, that's that's what I was told. And they couldn't believe that Americans uh, didn't uh, know about the evil eye. They thought that Americans were either stupid or spiritually blind because everybody knows about the evil eye and everybody had their, their stories. So... Uh, all these things were very much alive. And, and among the people who lived uh, uh, away from the towns, even, they would talk about like the God who thunders, you know. And uh, as, as far as I'm aware, the uh, Judeo-Christian God doesn't thunder. It's just
1: that uh, thunders. Let us do our break and we'll get more into the interactions with the gods or what. Hey, I just wanted to remind our listeners that Hercules and Victus will be hanging out for our premium show after the Paracast, which is supplied for members of the Paracast Plus. With Hercules, Sheen, and Tim, you're in. The Paracast. Hey, listeners. I want you to have the entire Paracast experience. So I'd like to tell you about After the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast Plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices are just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. Are
11: you watching your retirement savings melt away right in front of your eyes as the economy crumbles? Well, if you have an IRA, 401k or similar account, I need to tell you about a better way that was revealed by a Wall Street Journal best-selling book. Simply put, you can opt out of the insanity and convert your existing retirement account into the most stable physical asset in history, physical gold and silver. Plus, this conversion might qualify you for an IRS loophole that could save you even more. Today, Advantage Gold is giving away a completely free audiobook version of the national bestseller, Gold is a Better Way. Just text the word BETTER to 48542 to get your copy. That's B-E-T-T-E-R to 48542. By the time you drive home, this simple step may save the future value of your retirement. It's not too late if you're not prepared. You can take action now and claim a free copy. Text the word BETTER to 48542. That's B-E-T-T-E-R to 48542. Message and
6: data rates may apply. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor.
7: Both my legs were amputated due to an IED. It's when you start to try to get back into, like, an everyday life. I absolutely felt like I lost some of my purpose. There must be something more. When DAV came into my life, they gave me a new mission. I could still be a productive member of society, could still support a family.
10: The DAV gave him that sense of structure and purpose again to get his life back together.
3: Visit
11: DAV.org to learn more about
3: our mission. Did you know that you could easily be saving up to 90% on your taxes by simply making a phone call? That's right. The Fortune 500, the globalists, all the big billionaires and millionaires, they know about the loopholes written into the law where most of them pay almost zero tax. In fact, many of them pay no tax. You've even seen it on the news. How are they able to do that? But the common person can Dot com that's gcn tax cut, dot com. the only way you miss out is not making the phone call make it now
11: gcn's policy is open forum avoiding
2: censorship defense costs for words spoken outside of our control supersede the ability to deliver voices to this important talk platform the First Amendment is the foundation of our core values. Castle culture is silencing voices regardless of
9: perspective.
11: Freedom to speak is in the balance. Support the legitimacy of speech itself.
2: Consider donating to savegcn.com. Let's savegcn.com.
1: who treated you for what ended up being walking pneumonia. Do we still have any people like that in this day and age, or is Greece just another populous, advanced European country?
2: I don't know. I haven't been to Greece in 30 years, but from what I understand from people who have gone and from people I'm still in contact with, uh, these uh, little isolated islands now have like Wi-Fi and Internet and uh, they have television and they have all sorts of things that uh, back when I was young, they didn't have. So I don't know if that still exists. And I'm sorry to see it go. It was very rich uh, and very different than what reality was uh, here uh, growing up. I believe somebody told me that they have developed uh, folklore societies uh, to try to preserve as much of the ancient information as... uh uh, they still can. But when I was a kid, it, it was not unusual to meet gods or spirits uh, of some sort uh, on isolated walks through the hills or mountains or in the, in the forests or, you know, the seashore. Uh, the, there were common things that people encountered and shared uh, experiences with. And I started having those types of experiences as a child. It wasn't something that was out of the ordinary, at least in Greece. You know, I'm very happy of that because I guess uh, uh, it would have been very alarming to my parents if they were not Greek, if I reported a lot of the stuff I reported growing up.
1: Hey, before we go on, this is fascinating. Before we go on, how about telling us about some of those experiences?
2: That I've had?
1: Absolutely.
2: Uh, Okay. Um, Do you want ones that uh, that have been published in uh, Tim's books or uh, something new? Either way. Okay, uh, there was a, a church called the Gia Marina, and it's in uh, Lemnos, which is the island where most of my family is uh, from. Uh, Lemnos, mythically, is the uh, island of Amazon women that Jason and the Argonauts stopped at. It's also the place where uh, Prometheus stole flame from Ephesus' forge and gave it to humanity. It's where the giant Orion went Um, when he was blinded because the soil had healing properties. So Lemnos is an island rich in mythology. It's where uh, Philoctetes had his bow and Hercules appeared as a god to convince him to give it to Odysseus so they could win the the Trojan War. So anyway, there's a church there on one of the uh, big hills or small mountains, uh, whichever way you want to look at it. And there's a little shrine on the hill. Every time I've gone to that shrine, whether I was a child or later on as an adult, uh, when I've gone by myself, a woman dressed in white always comes, you know, from somewhere, and she seems to know everything I've been doing, you know. Although I, I don't really know who she is, you know, beyond uh, the fact that she's there whenever I go there, uh, and we always have these long conversations, and never occurs to me to question the weirdness of it. Until after she's gone. And these, Greece is not now very heavily forested. It's a Xeronisi, like dry island, it means. So there's nowhere you can hide. You know, if you hide behind an olive tree, you're not hiding much of yourself or uh, the little shrine there isn't really a lot of room to hide yourself behind the shrine so she would appear out of no place and disappear back into no place and during the time we spent together she seemed very well informed of what i'd been doing since last time i was there very friendly wonderful uh, conversation um, and again, it didn't strike me as strange until after like moments after it happened, like, uh, after she left, or I would uh, say I needed to go back to the village. Uh, and then as I was walking, I was like, wait a second, this is a strange thing that's happening. Uh, and then I turn around and she wouldn't be there and there'd be nowhere for her to be, uh, that appeared, I believe in the first uh, thing I wrote for, uh, Tim and Tim year, a few years ago. So that's an example of one experience. Another example is uh, when I went to uh, a cafeinion, you know, like a tavern. In Greece, taverns are social places of gathering. You know, people go, uh, usually they walk back and forth on the main road uh, and go to the seashore, and then they'll go to a taverna with their whole family and have meze, which is like appetizers, and uh, drink maybe some wine or some beer or, or something and socialize with uh, other people. So once I was in one of the tavernas and I saw a uh, young boy like playing in one of the trees. So he was like, playing by a tree and he was there for quite a while and then he was no longer there. So one of the uh, servitori, one of the uh, people who serve you beer or coffee or appetizers, the waiters, I guess, he asked me why I was staring at the tree. And uh, I told him there was a, a boy playing there, you know, and I described the boy uh, and what he was wearing and then he disappeared and I can't figure out where he went. And he looked very, you know, solemn and he went back inside and then the owner of the tavern came out and asked me to, you know, describe again what I had seen. And so I did and he told me that that, that uh, child was his uh, brother and i described the clothes that the, the the child had been buried in and he had planted that uh, tree at the taverna where there were children and uh, he had been murdered by some traveler through town one of the sailors that had come off a boat uh, took him up to the mountains and murdered him but i had no way of knowing that you know i just saw a kid and i described the kid I didn't even think it was a spectral or ghostly kid. It was just some kid playing by a, a tree. Let's see, what else? Once I visited my grandparents and uh, I got sick, uh, so I had a fever. And uh, in my fever, I started describing uh, things in people from, from their youth uh, in the room that I was in. And this was just a room that was a bedroom, you know, a spare bedroom. Uh, A large one, but it was a spare bedroom when I was a kid. Uh, But earlier, when they were younger and they were very involved in the social life, it was a place where they held uh, parties. So the people I was describing, the things they were wearing, and uh, the types of music and dances that uh, you know were going on, were things that actually happened in that room. So those are the type of uh, experiences. There were a lot of experiences also with. What are called like folklore entities or nature spirits or elementals. Uh, These are spirits of trees. I've always been able to sense uh, tree spirits. I've met a lot of people who had relationships with the uh, tree spirits and discovered the tree spirits seem to form relationships with women who've been in abusive uh, situations. All sorts of incidents. Uh, my life has been a haunted life. If you look at it one way, it's been an enchanting life. If you look at it another way, I've never had the luxury of uh, believing that this world was what we were told it was by the society at large.
1: Is society in general, choosing to lie about what the world is like to maintain control or because they're misinformed? What's your perception? We're going to split in a moment. You can start your answer, and then we'll break it for the next segment. Go ahead. My
2: answer is, my thoughts are a little of both. I believe that there are people who use the beta brainwave frequency of our thinking to keep us stuck here to control us better, uh, and also, I believe that in order to have a functioning uh, society, you need to have certain things that you don't want people to stray in uh, mentally or physically or emotionally. Uh, so they set up uh, taboos to prevent you from uh, going there.
1: We're going to go to another place, a place that we can't even conceive of. With Gene and Hercules and Tim, you're in. The <laughs>
11: USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. An airport
12: worker with minimal flight training stole an airplane from Tupelo Regional Airport where he worked for 10 years and scared thousands on the ground in northern Mississippi. Corey Wayne Patterson circled the sky for five hours before safely landing in a soybean field where he was arrested. Patterson knew how to take off, just not how to land. At one point, he threatened to crash into a Walmart prompting an evacuation. No one was injured. Patterson faces charges of grand larceny and making terroristic threats. Federal charges are on the table. Evacuation orders are in place after two wildfires ignited in Northern California. The Mill Fire, which began Friday afternoon, burned close to 4,000 acres by Saturday morning and is 20% contained. The Mountain Fire began Friday evening. It's only 5% contained and so far has torched close to 3,400 acres. This is USA Radio News. Former Soviet leader Mikhail Gorbachev is being remembered for helping to end the Cold War and for precipitating the end of the Soviet Union, later calling it the greatest geopolitical catastrophe of the 20th century. Gorbachev is laid to rest on Saturday. Russian President Vladimir Putin claimed to be too busy to attend the funeral. Gorbachev died Tuesday at the age of 91. For the second time this week, NASA is scrubbing the launch of its crew capsule into lunar orbit. A fuel leak is the reason for the launch being canceled on Saturday. Escaping hydrogen caused the first scrub to occur on Monday. No word on when NASA might try again. After this coming Tuesday, a two-week launch blackout period will kick in. If extensive fuel leak repairs are required, the capsule could be moved from the launch pack back into its hangar. That would delay the flight until October. More than 300 flights into, within, and out of the U.S. have been canceled so far this holiday weekend, with thousands more delayed. You're listening to USA Radio
19: News.
2: hi this is don ecker
9: and you are tuned into the paracast let me tell you what you're going to hear
3: stuff here that you probably won't hear anywhere else hear that george snoring
1: some way to announce the commercial hercules I love that. you like that okay yeah. good because tim needs all the compliments he could get hercules finished the answer why don't you finish the answer
11: it's, it's kind
2: of like if, if you do something even as simple as working with your dreams. You know, one of the things that will strike you very quickly is that dreams happen in a reality that is much like ours. You can see, you can hear, you can feel, you can taste. You know, you're, you're pretty much in a 3D uh, experience that is uh, multi-leveled. And if you continue working with your dreams, you become aware of like other states, like the hypnagogic and the hypnopompic. And those are the states you drift off into and out of, you know, between waking and, uh, and sleeping. And if you could pay attention to what's going on there, instead of dismissing them as like passing thoughts, it's more vivid than what we call waking reality. Remember the ViewMaster things that you put like a, a, the circle with the pictures and you pull it and you get like uh, different pictures. Do you remember those? Oh, I, I do. Idol. Well, the hypnopagogic and the hypnopompic is bright like that, where it's, it's the same thing, but it's crisper and clearer, you know, so it's, it's realer in a sense than what we experience when we're awake. And then there are like liminal states. That aren't nothing, you know. Between dreams, you know, like there's a space between dreams, like a back door between dreams. Uh, and if you play with dreams uh, too, uh, you can become lucid in the dreams, so you can start controlling the dreams. Like I've made a, a subway train fly in a dream when I realized I was dreaming, or you know, flown like Superman. Uh, those are things you could do in a uh, a uh, lucid uh, dream. You could seed your dreams. Now, not every day's dreams is as uh, cool as that. Like I just have days where it just seems it's a regular dream or I don't become lucid or I haven't seeded it. You know, so dreams have a wide range of experience. But even if you just work with that altered state, you see that our world isn't what we think it is, especially when you start tapping into things and you get synchronicities where it seems like the universe is trying to get your attention to a particular happening or a particular phrase or, or something. But it, it happens in ways that don't function in the way you think reality functions based on what you're taught uh, is reality. So um, I don't really, I haven't really like done drugs or anything because I can meditate and put myself in these states. So I don't really need any substance to uh, uh, take me there. But uh, I love dreaming, I love meditating, uh, because you can experience reality in a different way. It's not the same reality. Like, I used to hold dream classes and teach people, like, how to adventure in their dreams. Well, what happened invariably is, after a while, people start reporting the same thing in their dreams. And sometimes they'd remember the same events in dreams, so, where did this happen? If reality is something that you can get people to agree on this happening, and this didn't happen while we were awake, is, was it real? I, I don't know, you know, but it certainly argues, uh, you know, for a different definition of what the reality is. And that's always fascinated me. And it's part of, I, I believe myths come from these places uh, as well, some of them, and that some of the divine powers or the gods or the Olympians dwell in such in between uh, places and uh, that there's more to reality than, than again, than we've been led to believe. And if you can deal with that without like harming yourself and or other people, it really en- enhances your life. Uh, when I worked in psychiatric rehabilitation, I saw many people who could experience the same types of things that I was experiencing. But whereas I just it was part of my life, uh, they would become preoccupied with it, uh, or feel victimized by it, or become obsessed with it, uh, and all balance was lost. Uh, so they would wind up in psychiatric institutions.
9: I find the whole synchronicity phenomena to be extremely fascinating. One aspect, and this was something that you had mentioned earlier in the show, where synchronicity has really led a lot of people's religious belief systems and how that has evolved over the centuries. So, I mean, I could uh, I could really see and 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 I know I've run across some stories myself of people, especially in, in Greece and some of these, you know, other countries who believe that their synchronicity was happening because of interactions with various deities.
2: hmm. Yeah, I, I can see that. And uh um, I hear a lot of people of all uh, religious uh, paths uh, say that uh, they prayed and then something happened, and they attribute what happened to uh, the prayer. And sometimes it's hard to uh, ignore. And I, if you want, I'll share a particular story that uh, uh, had synchronicities in it. Please uh, do. I was I meditate a lot. And I deal with a lot of different uh, people, you know, and not only through the show or through the public talks I give, but I I generally talk to lots of people. I'm an elected official, by the the way, too. (laughs) So I I talk with lots of people about lots of different uh, things. And um, I was talking to uh, these uh, folks who uh, had a a Urantia book offshoot called The Sixth Revelation um, in uh, California. And uh, the Olympian gods had uh, revealed themselves uh, to them as behind some of the Urantia book uh, characters, you know, who are in the Urantia book, the different uh, cosmic beings that that are there. So um, they told me they had a message uh, for me from Zeus. So... Um, I said, okay, what did Zeus have to say to me? And they pretty much uh, said that, uh, well, uh, that uh, the message that you got was uh, true, you know, that uh, he is your heavenly father. So what was synchronistic about this was that in my meditations, um, I had those type of thoughts uh, or impressions. that Zeus was my heavenly father. Um, And uh, I put them where I put all such revelations on the shelf. You know, it's like, okay, this might be coming from uh, my psychology. It might be coming from my own personal issues. Who knows where it's coming from? But, yeah, I will think about it because it came when I was in uh, an alpha state, you know, where you get all sorts of weird information. Um, so, okay, so I thanked them very much and thought it was uh, pretty synchronistic. Within a couple of days, I got calls from Wizard in Ohio uh, and from other people who are magically find and are not connected to each other in any way. Um, and in some cases don't even know of each other's existence, telling me that a message uh, from Zeus, and it involved fatherhood. So at that point, it's no longer my psychology, it's no longer (laughs) something in my psyche that, uh, or psychologically that I need to uh, contemplate. I'm getting messages from Zeus from all over the place. So I decided to pursue it again in meditation, and uh, basically it dealt with uh, some psychological stuff, like uh, I am a father— and I've had a father, and I don't consider myself the best son or even the best father. You know, I've, I've tried to be the best father, but I'm kind of like a, a sky person. I'm I'm very far away on some level, even on some other levels. I'm connected, and I wish that that were not so, but that's how I am. So there were a lot of issues about fatherhood that came out, but Zeus was telling me. You know, as uh, that he is a father, and what do I, what would I want for my children? And so, well, you know, for my children to love me, for me to be involved in their lives in a positive way and to be remembered, you know, when I'm no longer present. Uh, So, Zeus said, Why would I think he would want anything different? So, it might not seem like much, but it, it was very profound and very transformative. And the synchronicities continued for weeks, whereas Zeus, who very rarely comes up in my daily existence, would come up daily, sometimes more than once daily. And the issue of fatherhood, which also is not something that pops up in conversations uh, very often to me, uh, that that subject popped up uh, for a very long time and continued afterwards, uh, I guess, again, to drive point the home that I'm not dealing
1: with something totally inside my head. Well, that would be good to know. You wouldn't want to have to test something that is being made up. But that's interesting—that kind of positive interaction. But I think first-time fathers all believe they haven't a clue what they're doing, and somehow they stumble through it. And most times, they do a pretty decent job. Hercules, Tim, and Jean, you're in the paracast. <laughs>
4: My name is Stephen Hewer. In 1976, when I was 15 years of age, I was poisoned from two mercury dental fillings. The mercury came off these fillings in such high amounts that I went from having excellent health to having chronic constipation and candida overgrowth. I could barely eat any food for four years, which resulted in adrenal exhaustion by the age of 20. Despite years of diet experimentation, juice fasting, and intestinal cleansing, it was not until I took certain prescription sulfur amino acids that I healed my eliminatory function and eliminated my candida overgrowth. Later, it was not until I began to consume green, Meadow Way that I eliminated my mercury burden 100%. Had Green Meadow Way existed in 1976, I could have healed my gut and body decades earlier. Green Meadow Way supplies a very high concentration of the sulfur amino acids needed to fuel glutathione production. Glutathione removes mercury and virtually all other toxins from the body. Set your body free from the burden of heavy metals and environmental toxins with Green Meadow Way. To order, go to bestwayprotein.net, that's bestwayprotein.net, or call 888 988 3325.
16: I need some extra money.
15: Do I qualify for the Earned Income Tax Credit? Use the EITC Assistant tool. With just a little information, this tool helps you calculate eligibility with ease and accuracy, get an estimate of how much credit you qualify for, and get a printout of your results before you prepare your return or visit your tax preparer. To use the EITC Assistant tool and see if you're eligible to claim a credit, visit irs.gov slash EITC.
5: Hey, trader, listen up. The markets have changed. Have you changed your trading strategies? Vantage Point can help you conquer volatility. Learn to trade with artificial intelligence. Text the word money to 813-813 and discover how to predict stock market trends one to three days in advance with up to 87.4% proven accuracy. No matter which way the market moves, Vantage Point's patented AI can give you a massive edge. Text money to 813-813 to get what you need to stay ahead of market markets, and find your best entries and exits. Text the word money to 813-813.
6: Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. By texting, you agree to the terms available at vantagepointsoftware.com slash terms and consent to receive calls and texts using automated technology about offers or info by or on behalf of Vantage Point. Your consent is not a condition to purchase and can be revoked at any time. Message and data rates may apply.
5: Text money to 813-813. This is Jennifer Stein, executive producer of The Disclosure Dialogues. You're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal
10: radio.
1: I know when my son, Grayson, was born. I was 40 years old and hadn't even thought of having a child. And then Barbara became pregnant. And we awaited with fear and eagerness this little guy's arrival. And somehow we more or less figured it out. We didn't mess them up too much, I don't think.
2: Yeah, it's, it's a it's a profound part of life, and uh, we we often rebel against uh, fatherhood when we're young, and then you know we try our best to be fathers when we get a bit uh, older. And uh, I too hope that I didn't mess up my my kids too much. <laughs> they certainly had an unusual father, though. That they'll have tough stories to last them for a while. Well, at least Hercules,
9: the message that you were getting wasn't, you know, Hercules, this is Zeus, just stop it. Stop it now. No.
2: (laughs) But the synchronicities were, it was was like never-ending synchronicity for for a while. That's interesting because John
9: Keel tells uh, several stories of when He was dealing with a lot of what he called silent contactees, which were people who were alleging to have had close you know, UFO uh, occupant uh, in encounters, but didn't tell anybody else, didn't seek publicity or money or ridicule, that he would oftentimes get a message from one of them, and then others from all across the country would call in not too long afterwards. None of these people were connected or, or even knew about each other with the same types of messages. Mm-hmm. So it's very similar to what
2: you went through. Yes, that, that that does seem to happen the, the, every now and then. I miss John Keel, by the way. I used to go to his uh, I used to go to his uh, Fortean
1: Society meetings in New York
2: in days of yore.
1: You might have seen me there. Really, was, oh, awesome. Yeah, you might have seen me there because I went to some of them. Not yeah, that many.
2: Was there. Uh, Antonio
1: Junais, John yeah. Keel, mm-hmm. Jim Mosley, Tim Beckley. Yep. Yep. Wasn't that
9: building right next door to uh, Beckley's apartment?
2: That I don't know.
1: It would have been then 13 East 30th Street. I've worked at 13 East 30th Street in Manhattan for probably between two jobs in about 10 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that would have been it. It's,
9: it's, it's now torn down. Well, good for it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think now they're building a multi-story skyscraper on that side.
2: Uh, it was a nice little uh, place. I, I, I'm visualizing in my mind now with lots of twists and turns, and I used to enjoy going there. I I, I still might have some of the cassette tapes they were selling back then. One on Men Men in Black, I think I got
1: one. One time, Whitley Strieber gave a presentation. And this is just weird in the whole spectrum of things. And that is, he talks, I guess, about government response to his book, Communion, and the claims of interacting with E.T. or whatever it was. And he said he was subject to a very, very intense tax audit during this period. Mm Within weeks, I got a letter from the IRS. We need to check your taxes. Nothing so serious, but that was weird. That is weird. Synchronicity or something else? Or something else.
2: That's right. Uh, when his book came out, the Communion, I got a call from a friend of mine who was living in California at the time, but she had been in New York and she was part of my whole psychic teenagehood. I was a deep trance medium for a neo-theosophical uh, group, uh, very similar to the one that uh, Mark Brinkerhoff was in. In fact, Mark Brinkerhoff operated like a few blocks for what I was doing my deep uh, trance work. Uh, so it's very interesting some of the information Mark uh, has been giving compared to information I've been uh, giving. Anyway, my friend, I called, uh, she called from California and asked me if I'd seen the book Communion. I said I heard of it, but I haven't seen it. And she goes, go right now to a bookstore and go get the book. So I said, okay, I hopped on a bus and went from Bayside to uh, Flushing to the Barnes & Noble, and I saw the book, and it's like it, it hit something inside of me. So I bought the book, uh, went back and called her, and she said, well, did you get the book? And I said, yes. She goes, what were your thoughts? And I said, my first thoughts were they, they don't look like that. And she goes, what do they look like? I said, well, they were kind of like this, but they were whiter, you know, like the skin was like almost uh, marble uh, white uh, and they had hair in the back and they, you know, they weren't naked, you know, and stuff like that. And she goes, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. She goes, how did you know that? (laughs) <laughs> I, said, I have no idea, and it took a while uh, meditating for me to dredge up some memories. They weren't traumatic or unpleasant or anything like Striver had reported, but that that was a good question. How do I know that? Because I knew it. I was I was very de- definitively definite about it. Yeah, it's, uh, Whitley now
9: is uh, uh, saying that that these creatures are are beyond our concept of just simply extraterrestrials, that there's there is more to them and to their reality, which I find very interesting because, like a lot of people who have become involved in the UFO phenomena, it generally starts out as a belief in extraterrestrials and then after a while tends to go elsewhere.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I tend to look at the Olympians in that way. They, they, even reading the myths that exist that are a republic, they're beings of light. Uh, that uh, st- story comes out uh, most clearly when uh, Hera tricked uh, Semele, Dionysus' mother, into asking to see Zeus in his true guise. Uh, And uh, he had to comply and it destroyed her the sight of it, but he was a being of light. And uh, also, they could appear in any shape they want, and that's in the myths as well. Uh, Not only humans, but animals. Um, They seem to not be bound by our uh, concepts of uh, time, but they have uh, a different uh, time flow altogether. And they're intimately connected to our reproductive uh, systems, which a lot of these uh, other beings um, happen to be. And in Greek mythology, too, uh, Zeus was deliberately designing humans to help the Olympians out uh, in certain circumstances that happened on Earth. Like, Hercules was created uh, to help them against the the giants who uh, Earth Mother had sent to uh, unseat them. And uh, they needed a particular type of human, so Zeus created the line of Perseus. And then a couple of generations later, in the same line, uh, he created um, Hercules. So there was like selective breeding going on to create certain people at certain times.
1: That almost sounds like the so-called genetic experiments in which E.T. engages in some of the UFO abductions.
2: Yeah, yes, it does. Um, but it's more selective breeding than actually like genetically modifying things in a lab. Although, again, I wasn't there that I know of. So I can't <laughs> answer it definitively. <laughs>
1: Like the breeding of livestock.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Well, some theorize here that we are created by AT, not in a divine way, but due to some sort of genetic engineering. Yes.
2: That's something I have tons of books on and that I've studied. It's a a fascinating uh, concept, and uh, especially the material in the Babylonian and Sumerian and Akkadian, uh, the, the more ancient Near Eastern myths.
1: Can you describe them? We're going to break in about a minute and a half. But can you describe this indication, these myths about what we'd consider genetic engineering?
2: Well, the myth with uh, Hercules uh, is definitely like a manipulation of a genetic material toward uh, certain uh, ends. Um, Zeus knew that uh, he would be challenged the same way he challenged uh, Kronos, and the same way Kronos challenged Uranos, and uh, the same way Uranos uh, challenged the primal gods for uh, supremacy uh, over the Earth. So Zeus did not want this to happen. So he was always tampering with uh, humanity, as were some of the other gods, uh, and uh, they would uh, shape humanity. Like Prometheus was said to be one of the gods that actually created mankind as we know mankind uh, to be. Prometheus gave fire to his creation to help evolve it because he loved his creation, and he was punished by being uh, chained to a rock in the Caucasus while a predator bird, uh, some say an eagle, uh, would uh, gnaw out his liver and his intestines uh, during the day, and then at night it would leave him alone to have him regenerate, and, and the process would uh, continue over again. But he wanted humanity to have more and to be more.
1: Hey, I just wanted to remind our listeners that Hercules Invictus will be hanging out for our premium show after the Paracast, which is supplied for members of the Paracast+. Plus. With Hercules Invictus and Gene Steinberg and Tim Swartz, you're in
9: the Paracast.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
0: That's R O C K O I D S dot com.
16: Are you curious about what might be missing from your diet and supplement choices? Take a free health assessment to identify your possible nutrient deficiencies. As a certified holistic health coach, I will help you assess and prioritize a supplement program based on Dr. Wallach's recommendations. Call Linda at 833 Vital 90. That number to call is 833 833-
19: That's 877-279-9422. Again,
0: 877-279-9422. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: And now, here's Jane Steinberg. Tim Swartz is trying his best to be an ancient god.
2: I want a (laughs) t-shirt. I'm in the power cast.
1: (laughs) More like, oh, my liver. Let us proceed with the genetic engineering.
2: Again, whether it's through selective breeding or or engineering, uh, he wanted a particular strain of human that contained something of his essence. Um, to be able to fight the giants and fend them off from uh, overthrowing the Olympians. So he Hercules's mother and his father both were of the line of Perseus. And then uh, he bred with Alcmena, um, Hercules' mother, and again added his genetic material to that Persean line to create Hercules, who was the first superhero. And Hercules was not only able to defeat uh, the giants, uh, but he was able to ascend to Olympus when he finished with his earthly uh, labors. Uh, Athena escorted him uh, there herself. He joined Zeus and, uh, some say, became the porter of heaven. And uh, he would often come to Earth and help uh, people uh, who were in trouble. And I've collected stories. I don't have them anymore. The computer that I had them on... uh, um, died a long time ago, uh, but uh, I collected accounts from like World War One and World War Two, where people who fought in the war in Greece say say that somebody they thought it was Hercules appeared and saved the day. So I guess he's still at it.
9: Well, the other interesting thing is that uh, the Greek gods, especially the Greek gods, seem to be a very randy bunch. Especially mm-hmm. Zeus. Yeah, you, know, you you were talking about. Uh, Really, you know, kind of like the uh, uh, the genetic selection of of humankind, and uh, they were all too willing to uh, come down to Earth and uh, do the dirty work themselves.
2: Yes, (laughs) they were, and uh, that's I've always found that appealing about the the Greek uh, gods. You know, they're very much like us, so they have a better understanding of us. Like uh, even in uh, spirituality. You pray to Hercules in antiquity because he lived through being human, and he he had a hard time of it. And uh, so even though he was the, the mightiest son of the greatest god of the Olympian pantheon, humanity was tough for him. So you tend to cut people slack when even your god had a hard time with being a human. And, yes, they were, they were very much like uh, like humanity. Uh, in some myths and in some of the movies that came out in the 60s, uh, it uh, hints that we're entertainment. Uh, you know, we're kind of like their video game or their uh, reality TV show. Um, and that uh, one of the heavens, one of the Elysiums is kind of like a glam heaven uh, where you have like anyone who's made a, an impact on the world, positive or negative, will go to that Elysium if they entertain the gods.
9: Well, you also have in modern UFO mythology the uh, um, alleged sexual interactions between mm-hmm. UFO nuts and, and people. And again, you know, there's, there's a lot of similarities. You know, uh, people out alone in the wilderness are suddenly accosted by, you know, take your pick, the uh, elementals, the gods, UFO nuts. Who are shapeshifters? These <laughs> lights—it could be anybody. Well, again, I mean, here we're seeing this really this underlying connection throughout history of shapeshifting beings who have a special interest in us for whatever reason that has interacted with us somewhat secretly.
2: From the beginning, beginning of time. Yes, and the, the myths uh, indicate that very uh, powerfully. And um, one of the things that I talk about all the time when I do uh, library talks and things like that is um, that the experiences are universal. The explanations are myriad and kind of lead you off the, the path. And the example I bring up is shadows. Shadows are a universal experience. Uh, people see shadows at night or they sense shadows or they hear breathing or something sitting on the bed or something making sexual overtures. It's a, it's a shadow and it usually tells them that everything's okay and to go back to sleep. And they do, um, you know, and, uh, um, these this experience is universal, and I don't think there's ever been a talk I've given anywhere where at least somebody had a shadow story to share with me afterwards. But the, what the shadows are, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. In Greek, they could be satyrs they could be uh, Italian folletti they could be uh, incubi or succubi uh, they could be sasquatch uh, there could be they could be ufo aliens uh, they could be some form of uh, elemental uh, you don't know what they are Except that the MO is exactly the same, but our explanations are different, and the explanation that we buy into determines the, the, the nature of the reality of what we're experiencing uh, for us and for people around us. And that's why the Regional Folklore Society or the Center for the Study of Living Myth, these experiences are real on some level, whether they're c- collective or individual but the explanations about them, the beliefs about them, they have the power to change uh, culture and to change lives. So I find that extremely fascinating.
9: The explanations are all of the above and none of the above. Right? Exactly. <laughs> well, okay. What about what about you? You're well known in your community and have been well known. For a number of years, uh, it's, it's not often that that you'll find a community so willing to embrace somebody who goes around saying, you know his name is Hercules Invictus." And I mean, you know you, uh, you play it full, you play it, play it full out. And your community loves you.
2: Well, I would say everybody in my community. Some people object to my existence, but not very many, fortunately.
9: <laughs> well, I, I mean, you know, I, I think anybody will find, you know, will find that. But I mean, you know, for the for the most part, I mean,
2: you, you know, you you've been embraced yes I'm, I'm very fortunate i i lead the holiday the interfaith holiday parade and i close it with uh, uh, blessings from mount olympus um i go with uh, the mayor and the president of the chamber of commerce and the council people to welcome new businesses into town and we've got ribbons and i'm dressed in my olympian finery uh, when i uh, do so and uh I I love doing that. It's a a very important thing for me to be doing. And um, my community has embraced me, you know, uh, despite all that. (laughs) Uh, You have
1: kids, Hercules. How many, by the way?
2: I have kids. I have three kids.
1: Okay. How old are they, and what do they think of their dad being this character?
2: Well,. my eldest son was born in eighty five, so I don't know how old that makes him. Uh, that
1: would make him thirty seven.
2: He's thirty seven, and uh, he—I'm his dad. You know, <laughs> I've always been strange and different, and uh, he seems to celebrate that. Um, and uh, my two other sons—one I don't uh, hear from or talk to very often—but uh, um, his mom is uh, in contact. Uh, So I don't know exactly what I'm thought of at this particular time. And our youngest lives at home with us, and I'm his dad. And all he's known is (laughs) the dad that I am. So uh, I don't really know what he thinks.
1: When he's a teenager, he'll start to rate you. Oh, he's in his early 20s. Oh, okay. Well, that's gone well, it sounds like there's acceptance there that you're just a guy and you're not some kind of weird character who runs around on weekends talking about gods from Olympus.
2: Well, I do, I do talk about gods from Olympus uh, quite That's often. That's what I said,
1: but he doesn't look at that as anything weird. I mean, my son didn't look at me being super weird because I was chasing after UFOs and such. He even mm-hmm. read a few books about it. But we've got more to come, and by the way... Hercules and Victus will hang with us for at least some of the After the Paracast premium podcast. We've got more to talk about with Gene and Tim and Hercules. You're in the Paracast. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code.
0: coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s.com
20: let's face it food shortages are a real threat now supply chain breakdowns inflation fuel prices global conflicts fertilizer cutbacks farmers being encouraged not to plant the stage is set for the peanut butter to hit the fan but for some reason americans are still in denial about food shortages Listen, we don't take risks with other things in our lives, so why take risks with your food security? Those who know what's coming are using today to prepare. Millions of Americans have purchased ready-hour emergency food from My Patriot Supply, the brand people look for when they're ready for real preparedness. MyPatriotSupply.com is America's largest preparedness company. Get stocked up on emergency food that lasts up to 25 years in storage to get you through tough times ahead. Your other choice is to stand in government food lines, hoping for a handout. As we both know, that's not an option. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. MyPatriotSupply.com.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at
1: forum.theparacast.com. Okay, we'll continue with Hercules Invictus, one of the more interesting people we've talked with on the Paracast we haven't done a lot of exploration of myths, especially ancient myths. But you were mentioning before about shape shifting. And I thought to myself of a scene in the movie Contact where okay. Jodie Foster may or may not be traveling to another star system, although physically not seeming to move anywhere. And she meets something in the form of her dad. And the being says to her, I'm coming this way in so many words because you would not accept my real appearance. And I was thinking here, we hear about all kinds of alien creatures. We hear about them having the power of mind control. Hey, what? Maybe they're just doing that for our benefit or for some psychological purpose. That's
2: very possible. And uh, if Whitley Straver is correct, it's uh, unknowable (laughs) what their purpose might uh, be. But they're part of the human experience, and they've been part of the human experience since the dawn of time. So I don't believe they're here to invade us or supplant us or enslave us, because uh, had they wanted to do so, they would have already done so. I, I believe that they're part of our experience here and that we're, we're very connected uh, with them. Uh, and in, in, again, the mythology that I seem to resonate most with and uh, uh, prefer to associate with, um, the, the gods are part of our genetic material. The gods have bred with humanity for so long that we're kind of like a hybrid um, you yeah, know, and uh, Greeks do believe that they're here for a purpose. Uh, when I was young, it was a brainwashing thing. We're here to Hellenize the non-Hellenic world. We're here to spread civilization. Uh, and uh, this was drummed into my head for years by uh, at home, at school, you know, in uh, cultural events, you know, so being descended from the gods is part of that. And even though modern Greeks generally don't believe in the ancient gods as gods, they believe in the reality and they celebrate them and the culture that arose from the gods uh, uh, still. So I remember growing up and it was always told that never to forget that I'm descended from gods and kings and heroes. So it becomes part of the you know reality Uh, and and establishes a kinship with uh, these beings that perhaps is not found in other uh, cultures or in other contexts. So I see the Olympians as my my family, the same way as my ancestors are are part of my family.
1: This has nothing to do with what you were just talking about. I just came online here. Okay. We're talking here, of course, about technology that maybe the ancients had technology that we haven't even achieved yet. So an experiment from NASA, the Perseverance mission, showed that the box, this toaster-sized device, can make oxygen from carbon dioxide that is in abundance in the Martian atmosphere. In other words, they can create an environment where they generate oxygen and we can survive there on Mars. I think of the movie Total Recall with Schwarzenegger, where they had an internal oxygen generator.
2: That sounds incredible. I, do you think it'll happen in our lifetime? or
1: You know what? I don't think we'll get to Mars in my lifetime because my lifetime is far more advanced than yours. Maybe in your lifetime. I think it's late. The biggest thing that bothers me about the space program is that after the initial moon landings, we gave up. Yeah. Oh, we'll send a space shuttle. What's a space shuttle? We could have been to Mars already and beyond. Instead, we're several decades late. So that's why I say I'm not going to see it or if I do, I'll be too old to
3: care.
2: I hope it happens. I I believe, like you do, that uh, we gave up uh, too soon, that we should have uh, continued. I remember at the time people felt that it was a waste of money when there were so many uh, social problems uh, that uh, we should be uh, dealing with. But the hope that it gave humanity, uh, the belief that we can transcend and uh, grow past our current situation, uh, Star Trek being a great example of how fictively it was uh, uh, encapsulated, But uh, I, too, believe we've made a great mistake by not continuing.
9: Yeah, it was uh, Richard Nixon, actually, that ended the the Apollo program. They were scheduled to have at least two, maybe three more uh, flights to the moon. But as soon as uh, Nixon got the opportunity to cut it, he did. Maybe
1: that was his ultimate revenge to John F. Kennedy. Because Kennedy beat him in the 1960 election, although I understand that Nixon and Kennedy were very close friends. Beat him in the 1960 election, and the best way to wipe away his legacy is to take his biggest achievement, which happened after he died, the space program. No, I don't think that was it. Still...
9: Yeah, well, the space program suffered, though. I mean, because of that, for a number of years. I mean, it's like it's like you said. I mean, it really it really put us back, and you know, fool around with the uh, the space shuttle, which never lived up to its potential. So,
2: there's a lot of things happening in outer space, though that we're generally kept unaware of it. It, it kind of whatever happens gets drowned out in other news. Uh, and uh, it it doesn't really pop up in national consciousness. But we have, like, an international space station. Uh, We have all sorts of things happening on other planets uh, uh, with uh, robotic devices. Uh, We have, uh, I believe, Voyager still sending, like, enigmatic images from beyond the solar system. So there's a lot, but we don't focus on it as much as we used to focus on these things before.
9: My question is... Once we do manage to make it to Mars and then to other locations, will our mythologies follow us?
2: I think they will maybe not in the form we currently uh, know them but uh um the olympians are already in outer space in the comic books and the movies like Thor love and thunder you know here they were in uh, uh, omnipotence uh, city or uh I, I think that's what it was called where you had gods from different planets uh, meeting together and Zeus led the whole thing and uh Um, You know, you had that uh, concept out there, which is a very theosophical uh, concept um, in the popular imagination, and uh, uh, Hercules in Marvel Comics has been to outer space, and uh, he indulges in space battles, so it is very possible that uh, uh, in our imaginations uh, these ancient figures will continue to exist and manifest in new ways, and the roots are already there. Uh, the justification put them there uh, the the name that they go under and the tales that are associated with them might be a little bit different, but they 'll still be recognizable. I know there
9: was and I wish I could remember the title. It was one science fiction novel I remember reading years ago that impressed me, and it was along these lines of astronauts colonizing a new planet very similar to some of the short stories of ray bradbury they start encountering various deities and ghosts and things like that the explanation being that whatever life force is on that planet is now responding to the conscious belief systems of all the new colonizers and it's taking up those forms
2: hercules
9: gene
1: and Tim, you're in uh, the Paracast.
10: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
4: In the 1800s, there were 160 spas set up in Europe to dispense fresh liquid whey. The sick would recover their health and the age would become rejuvenated. There's only one whey protein powder on the market that can generate and surpass the results seen in the whey spas in Europe. But first, let me tell you the story of 90-year-old Mary, who was semi-bedridden and in hospice care. Mary had been consuming only a pea protein and pasteurized milk drink. Then Mary was put on to Green Meadow Whey mixed with raw milk. She was given two to three whey drinks per day. On the very first day, Mary was up and came into the kitchen and made chicken soup. She was on her feet for many hours. Three days later, Mary had gained two and a half pounds of healthy weight. Green Meadow Way is health giving to both young and old. Green Meadow Way is guaranteed to make you feel better, stronger, reduce your inflammation, and eliminate virtually all toxins from your body without feeling sick. To order, go to bestwayprotein.net. That's bestwayprotein.net Or call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325.
11: Radio News.
14: Senator John Kennedy stated that President Joe Biden's rebuke of Republicans and former President Donald Trump showed that age does not equal wisdom and it was a missed opportunity.
13: His speech was a very cynical attempt yep. um, to, to fill our heads was stupid. And number three, I thought to myself, what a missed opportunity to, to talk to the American people straight up. About the the, uh, the the reasons when they lie down and sleep at night they can't. He could have talked about crime, inflation, uh, learning loss by our children, the mountains of uh, fentanyl coming across the border, killing our teenagers.
14: President Biden was doing a evening speech in Philadelphia Thursday when he mentioned MAGA Republicans. This is USA Radio News. Defense attorneys have concluded two weeks of testimony in the sentencing trial of the Parkland shooter, Nicholas Cruz. Henderson Behavioral Health Case Manager Tiffany Forrest says back in 2013 when she visited the Cruz's home, it was chaotic at best and abusive at worst.
5: Going frequently, you could see that there was quite a bit of dysfunction.
14: The shooter was 14 and his widowed adoptive mother seemed overwhelmed raising the shooter and his younger brother, Zachary. The trial will be on hiatus until September 12th, but defense attorneys only need one juror to agree to life in prison over a death sentence. A death penalty verdict must be unanimous. New York City is suing Starbucks over allegations that the coffee corporation unlawfully fired a Queens barista who had been
21: involved in unionization efforts. This is USA Radio News. American funding now and see how much cash out you can get. Call 800-721-2477. 800-721-2477. 800-721-2477. That's 800-721-2477. NMLS 6606. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. This is not an offer or commitment to lend. Subject to borrower and property qualifications. Not all borrowers will qualify. Terms and conditions apply. Equal housing opportunity.
2: This is Jacques and you're listening to the podcast, the Gold standard of Paranormal Radio.
1: All right, we got some more stuff going on with Hercules and Tim and Jean. We're going to continue exploring the ancient myths after we visit the Samuel Weiser bookstore. But you see, that changed my life, that store. The reason mm-hmm. is, one day, I saw a copy of a magazine called Saucer News from Jim Mosley. And I wrote a letter to the editor, and this is in the early 60s. He calls me on the phone. We had a listed phone number, big mistake. And we ended up becoming friends. And he was my first employer I actually had a real job with him where I received probably what would have been the equivalent of about 40 or $50 an hour today in 1960s cash. I didn't realize how well I was being paid at the time. And then I went to radio and got paid a lot less. So what, what do I know about those things? Tim, you have questions? <sighs> I was just going to say a
9: lot, uh, get paid a lot less and a lot more work too. <laughs>
2: Yeah, my cousin is a DJ, uh, Ron Carson. I'm, I'm in Connecticut, and yeah, I hear the tales of the industry from him. So uh, Hercules, you've
9: got uh, uh, coming up, starting in uh, September. I guess it's a lecture series at the uh, your, your local library called "Living Myths and Otherworld Explorers Meet Up." What's that about?
2: That's one of the titles. We decided we'd name it something later. Uh huh. <laughs> I couldn't come up with uh, what I wanted to call it, so we took a bunch of things I'd done in the past and I put them all together. One of the things that uh, I believe in is is I believe in having places where people can share their stories because uh, uh, although I feel comfortable sharing mine, uh, most people don't feel comfortable sharing theirs and uh, would get a lot of flack from friends and family if they started sharing. Uh, the types of experiences that I have no problem sharing. So I pick a topic, and it's paranormal-related or UFO-related. I'll I'll talk uh, about the topic uh, like we do on the um, panel show that we do. Mm -hmm. And uh, usually there's no guest speaker. I'm just speaking on everything. Then I'll invite people in the audience uh, to share their experiences if they'd like people attend and they share their stories and then they realize they're not alone in experiencing what they experienced and uh, then we share speculations and uh, i make it very clear i'm not there to convince anybody that my particular interpretation is correct because my interpretation changes as i grow and gain new insights you know and something one of them says might change my mind dramatically and i'll uh, explain it differently next time so it's just a journey of Things that happen to people that are not standard uh, and that fit into these sensationalistic uh, categories, d- just uh, sharing the tale and with each other. And uh, um, before the pandemic hit, uh, the director of the library back then, now there's a new director, we were going to write a grant to try to record these things and preserve them for posterity. Uh, so hopefully that'll happen uh, someday soon. But th- that's kind of like what it is. It's an opportunity for people to g- to get together, to meet with other people of a similar interest and to share stories if they have them uh, with each other. People generally have stories. And even the people who come in the beginning and say, well, you know, I have no experiences uh you know, I never had, I don't believe in any of the stuff. I'm just interested in learning about it. Uh, and then by the end of the meeting, they'll have a story to, to share of things that happened to them. So that happens uh, fairly often. So in Pennsylvania, rather, in the Poconos, it was called the Regional Folklore Society. And when I first uh, moved uh, back to New Jersey, it was the Center for the Study of Living Myth. So that title you have there is kind of like you know a hodgepodge of those, uh, just to start it off. And when a better name uh, you know comes up, we will uh, use that. Um, I had something in New Jersey also called the Astral Adventure Society uh, for people who do astral travel and uh, uh, lucid dreaming and meditation, things like that, to report their experiences. Because, again... This is a pre, now we live in a YouTube world where all information is available to anybody, anywhere. Uh, but uh, these things serve the purpose before them, because who do you tell? Who can you share this with that won't think you're crazy or being anti-religious or or something? So uh, that's what that's all about. So I have like eight months worth of topics, everything from Echoes of Lost Atlantis to uh, Space Gods and Cosmic Prophets, which is, I believe the first one I'm doing. I also have something in uh, Branchville, New Jersey, which is called uh, Olympian Shamanism and the Heroic Path. And that takes the path of the hero as, uh, as shared mostly in Greek mythology, but not exclusively in Greek mythology, and shown how it's the, basically the shamanic experience, which, like uh, lucid dreaming and astral projection, is a way of experiencing worlds beyond the better brainwave world that we call reality.
1: When someone believes they astrally project it, what do you mm-hmm. think is happening?
2: I don't know. Like I said, I I tend to uh, put things in, you know, like, can it be understood as something pertaining to you and your psychology first before I start exploring other options? But it is possible through various techniques to take your awareness and put it somewhere else and you could perceive things uh, that are happening. And then you could check with people to see if those things actually did happen as you perceive them. And uh, many cases uh, you have where they do happen. And you could train people to do it by having them imagine a place where they're all familiar with and then report back on what happens. And eventually you'll start getting similarities and then incidents that are the same. Then you try to determine how does that feel different from when you were experiencing things that nobody else was experiencing, and you, you kind of c- could tell when something actually took place rather than uh, just you're imagining yourself being there with certain uh, people, so it, it is possible to you know bilocate consciousness. I don't know exactly that these things are different from each other they all kind of overlap so they're part of a spectrum of experiences so astral projection is in my mind very similar to lucid dreaming except one of them you started doing while you were awake and the other one you started doing when you were already in a dream and the like mind travel the same thing you can do that through meditation you can do it uh, in a variety of different ways Astral is a place that's used to, it means starry in Greek, and that goes back into the Greek's beliefs about these beings that we now call ETs and aliens. So the astral realm was a place of dreams, it was a place of imagination. So you could perceive very many things, but you didn't know how real the things you were perceiving are. And that's why you needed to train yourself through attempts and through talking to other people uh, to do it so that what you're perceiving was more correct than just, again, what was in your imagination and your own fantasy. I don't know if that made a lot of sense. (laughs) If not, not, I'll gladly clarify. (laughs) It reads to me
1: like remote viewing.
2: Yes, Yeah. that too. I I see that as, as very similar, different ways of accomplishing the same thing.
1: We actually had a remote viewer on the Paracast well over a decade ago. We've been around since 2006. And we gave him an experiment. And he actually made solid progress in achieving what we expected. Unfortunately, his attitude got pretty weird. And he was banned from the forums. And we had all sorts of personality stuff. So it didn't work out so well. But that was one of the rare occasions in which someone attempted to do something supernatural, paranormal, etc. And it worked, more or less, except the problem I saw with remote viewing is it wasn't consistent enough to actually have it work under normal circumstances, such as having remote spies. Wouldn't that be great, right? You want to spy in a country, you don't have to put somebody's life at risk. They just go over there problem is here the information was not consistent enough or detailed enough to make it work which is kind of unfortunate wouldn't that be fun be able to go to someplace and enjoy the scenery but you never leave your home you don't have to worry about the winter weather the heat in the sahara desert that kind of thing we have hercules and gene and tim you're in the pericast <laughs>
10: for listening to GCN visit gcnlive.com today hey
1: listeners I want you to have the entire Paracast experience so I'd like to tell you about after the Paracast. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature for subscribers to the Paracast plus. Once again, theparacast.plus. Prices is sorry just $1.50 a week, less than a cup of coffee at your local convenience store. Check out theparacast.plus to learn more about Paracast Plus. If you're concerned
7: about the power grid and want to generate your own supply of off-grid electricity, this will be the most important message you'll hear this year. Here's why. We now have a small number of solar generators back in stock.
13: Extendivite testimonials on Amazon are very informative. Here's just a few. Amazon customer, five stars. Honestly, this stuff works. Nick, easy to take capsules. For those who can't handle the liquid drops, easy to take Extendivite capsules do the same job. Karoka Fam, works great. Like Extendivite very much. Seems to work as advertised. Thanks. Arlene, five stars. Love this product, Extendivite. Terry W., five stars. Can't say enough. Great product. Freya, five stars. I just ordered another. To get your Extendivite today, go to Extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Or call us at one 928 8822
4: Extend your life with Extendivite.
3: This is Robert Hastings, author of UFOs and Nukes, and you're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: By the way, Hercules will join us for the After the Paracast Premium Podcast part of the Paracast Plus, so you'll want to be able to check that out. Right now we have a lot more things to talk about because once you talk about Myths and reality and legends and collective unconscious and all this other stuff. The subjects and the ramifications are endless. But you're dealing with mythology here, Hercules. What can science do about it? Well,
2: one thing science can do about it is uh something that's pointed out by the ancient uh astronaut theorists uh, and uh the uh archaeologists who don't ascribe to uh, orthodox uh um, archaeology, is just to remain open to the possibilities. Um, I don't believe everything I hear on like ancient alien type of programs is something I, I believe personally that they're, they're a little far-fetched. But asking the questions is a valid thing, because we see the world through different eyes. Like, what seemed to be a bumblebee or a bird to somebody before we had airplanes is very clearly an airplane when you look at it. You know, through our eyes, what appeared to be a makeup case to somebody who first identified it as such. Now it looks like a laptop with one of those ports where you, you know, stick the cables in. So what is it exactly? I don't. I still don't think we know. But there is a lot of evidence for advanced civilizations, there is a lot of evidence for encounters with beings that are intelligent and sentient but not uh, human, for us to turn a blind eye to them or to dismiss them. So I wish science would explore these subjects uh, in a way that would make them more acceptable for others to look into and inquire instead of ostracizing those who uh, explore these things and try to share their findings.
1: Well, with UFOs, they're looking at it as a physical phenomenon. Yes. Okay, it's going to be drones. It's going to be some kind of advanced technology or it's E.T.
2: Or something we're, we're not aware of yet, like uh, ultra-terrestrials or crypto-terrestrials. There's been a lot of new terms for beings that, aren't, that can be physical but aren't exactly physical.
1: The Pentagon isn't chasing after ultra-terrestrials. Or if they are, they're not telling us. They are looking into human effects, though, where someone sees something strange and then all havoc breaks loose in someone's personal life that they're looking into, but only barely because it's just mentioned but not discussed.
2: It's a good step that we're taking as a culture to admit that there is something there. We don't know what it is. That's a good, healthy step. I don't believe that the things that are being shared are like earth shattering to anybody who's been following these things for quite a while and speculating about them. But it is it's a first step. Uh, Someone told me the other day uh, that there's been money allocated in the budget to explore UFOs this has openly been uh, allocated for UFO studies. So uh, I think that's a good uh, step uh, also.
1: It started in the early 2000s when the late Senator Harry Reid, as the Senate majority leader, got them to spend $22 million for UAP, not UFO, right. investigations, and they send everything off to the NIDS organization from Bob Bigelow that's no longer being operated. They've had three iterations of this already with budgets and everything, but they seem focused on this basic 144 sightings from the Navy, the Tic-Tac UFO, etc. But stuff that happened before that, stuff that happened in civilian life, we don't hear. They're trying to keep that as restricted as possible.
2: Yes, and, and I, I consider that unfortunate.
9: Well, I think that they're actually trying to control the narrative so that eventually they'll come to the conclusion That the majority of the UFO sightings are some kind of man-made technology, secret weapons, that sort of thing, and tossing out everything else that's contrary to that.
2: You may very well be right. It's the question that was asked uh, earlier about how much of it is done for control and how much of it is done to just basically keep society uh, intact. We're in a very strange place uh, with our beliefs right now somebody does have to consider what the effects will be on people with extreme beliefs if this type of information proves to be correct and that we're being watched not by a monotheistic uh, god but by people from other places or other times
1: but what about people who do believe in one god how are they supposed to treat the perception that there might be multiple gods or multiple beings that are quite superior to us
2: the ancients had a belief in one god also, but they believed that that one god was beyond human comprehension. It was called the Anna, the One. With Paul, when he went and spread Christianity from the Rock of Ares in Athens, he seized upon the point that there was an altar to the unacknowledged god in the Acropolis. So, th- there was an understanding that there was something transcendent, something that was beyond uh, concepts of the gods that they had. And even the gods bowed to fate into necessity. So, th- there were powers more powerful than the gods even then in antiquity. The Olympians have been integrated into, like, for instance, into uh, Christianity. They were the, known as the virtues in some systems of angelology. And in magic books like the Arbitel, uh, it was kind of like they existed, but they were put in their place by the one God. And now they work for him. Again, they never really went anywhere, e- even in not in our popular imagination and not in our religious uh, strivings. Uh, the Olympians inspired the Renaissance, you know, and they were credited with inspiring the Renaissance. Uh, and all the paintings that were made of mostly nude gods and nude figures, it became acceptable to show nudity uh, if it was classical, because classical, uh, classical education was a a modern progressive uh, good education so they still have the power to influence and affect things whether you you can consider them anything you want but even during the ancient times they didn't consider the the olympians to be the be all end all of cosmic powers
1: so they would be intermediary gods
2: you you could look at them that way I, i know in greece i spoke to many mystics who were trained in uh, Greek uh, Orthodox uh, beliefs and uh, they believed that the Olympians existed and they believed that part of their responsibility as uh, Christian mystics was to uh, prevent the Olympians from capturing the hearts of the Greeks again. So, yeah, they, they existed, they're real, but they shouldn't be allowed to uh, be worshipped again. And that's what uh, they were doing. And in the peasant conceptions, again, the god thunders, the god has a thunderous voice, the god is throwing rain uh, to fertilize the earth. Those are very ancient and archaic uh, concepts. For a lot of people they are integrated into their uh, Christianity, if they're Christians or monotheistic, this uh, i know that in greece we have a heaven of virtuous pagans <laughs> for pagans who were born before christ came to us and for i guess people like me who afterwards stuck with the olympians uh, so th- there, there's that uh, too
1: can you tell okay. our listeners if they want to find out more of the things you do where do they go
2: At this particular point in time, Facebook is actually the best way to contact me and to follow what I'm doing. Uh, I have two accounts uh, uh, because of uh, a Facebook glitch that happened, but they're both under Hercules Invictus. Uh, so you can look me up and I post daily. I also have a podcast uh, station on Blotto Radio called Hercules Invictus. I started a YouTube channel not too long ago. And uh, Tim is a frequent uh, guest. And uh, I know I have to have you now after this conversation <laughs> come on the show.
1: Well, I don't do video. I don't cast a reflection. You can find us on Twitter. If you look for the PowerCast, we have two segments also on Facebook, a fan club and a group. But Facebook doesn't let us put the URL for theparacast.com there. We have branded merchandise, the T-shirts and all the other goodies with four different logos to choose from at theparacast.shop. That's theparacast.shop. Hercules and Victus will be hanging with us for the After the Paracast Premium Podcast. Part of the Paracast Plus streaming package. We also give you this show free of the network ads. Better quality audio. To check more check the paracast.plus the paracast.plus P L p l u s the paracast.plus and get this use the coupon code UFO20 UFO20 we give you a 20% discount on 5 year and lifetime subscriptions the paracast.plus Hercules and Victus Thank you for joining us on the paracast
2: I'm honored to be on the paracast and like I said I want a t-shirt now I've been to the paracast <laughs>